0: Welcome to Sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Thank you so much. Well, good morning. It uh, really is a joy to be with you this morning. I was, uh, as we sang that last song, My Lighthouse, uh, that's a song, that's like the dance party Song in my household, so my kids like, "Can we just dance together, we put on that song and we dance. So, so that was a joy, just a delight to worship the Lord with you, to enjoy Christ together as his uh, part of his family. And um, so yeah, just thanks, thanks for the opportunity to be here uh, in a particular way as you are have been working through this last month of uh, a missions emphasis. Um, it's a privilege for me to be able to share a little bit about uh, my own journey in the area of missions. Uh, last 11 years I've been involved in international work with the Alliance in Latin America, studying Spanish in Costa Rica, and then living in, between Cuba and Mexico these last 10 years. And uh, So it's, it's my privilege, before I kind of get started, to, to bring you greetings on behalf of the, the broader Alliance family. Uh, I don't know if you know too much about Alliance history, but we started with seven people in about 130 years ago. Different denominations came together with our founder, Dr. A.B. Simpson, and uh, today we have grown to about 5 million people worshiping Jesus every Sunday in 80 different countries around the world, and uh, that's an exciting thing to be a part of, and so I bring you greetings on behalf of that larger family, Uh, in particular the family from Latin America that I've had a the privilege of working with these last number of years, uh, God is on the move. And as you have participated as a part of our Alliance family in praying for our Alliance missions, in giving to the Global Advance Fund, uh, the church has multiplied and grown. Uh, just even in the last 10 years, the church in Cuba, our, our Alliance church, has gone from about 20 churches to 90 churches. As the gospel, as, as Paul said in Colossians, all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has with you. And uh, so I bring you greetings on behalf of the larger family, and thank you for your partnership with us. Uh, Even though I didn't know you personally all of these years, I know that that your support enabled me and my family uh, to be on adventures in mission with God, like I want to talk about today. So I want to thank you for that. It's also my privilege to bring you greetings from the other churches across the Eastern Canadian District. We have about 77 churches in this part of the country, as well as 15 kind of new churches. We call them new ventures, uh, new expressions of the church. Uh, some of them right here in, in your church that have grown up um, from reaching out to other nations, other people groups that have uh, visited uh, our nation, and now they are coming to know Christ and starting their own churches and uh, other new expressions of trying to re-engage with, with young people, people who have, who have gone past Christ. They, they, they used to maybe hear about Christ, but but now they think he's irrelevant, and we're planting new expressions of the church to try to reach those people, to reintroduce them to this joy-filled adventure of walking with Christ. So again, I want to thank you for the ways that you as a church have supported us uh, at the district level through our New Ventures Fund. Uh, that is part of starting all of these new churches to reach new people with the good news of Jesus. So I bring you greetings from all of those that, that partner with us in our family. Well, today, as I, as I mentioned, I want to share with you a little bit of, of my story on mission with God. And, uh, and as well as sharing a, a few lessons or principles along the way that I've learned that I think can be an encouragement to you as you engage on mission here. Uh, one of the phrases that we sometimes use in our Alliance family is that we are on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. So missions is not just something that we send our, our missionaries or our international workers to do in some other place. All of us have a key role to play in God's mission. And uh, so it's a joy to, to share with you a little bit of my story, uh, but not, not saying that my story is the only story. All of you have your own story, and I hope that some of the things that I've learned can encourage you in your journey. Well, the first thing I want to kind of um, speak about this morning, frame this idea of mission as, as uh, an adventure with God. Uh, again, the Alliance has been doing missions around the world for, for many years, right? You don't grow from seven people to five million without a fair bit of emphasis on being a, a missionary movement. Um, but I, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word mission. But recently within the Alliance, we've been using this, this term venture. That we are venturing out to share the good news of Jesus to those, in those places where few or none have heard. That's one of our, our great passions in the Alliance is that everyone on the planet, from all different people groups, every different language, would have access to Jesus. We want them to know the good news that we ourselves have experienced. This banqueting table that we will celebrate later in communion, where the psalmist says, come, taste, and see that the Lord is good. We want to invite them to the banquet. And uh, and so we have been doing that, and we want to venture out into new places, to start new expressions of the church for all these people. Know, I, I don't know for you, when I, when I used to think of mission, I used to think mission was more of something about sacrifice. You know how, how Jesus says, come, if you would like to follow me, you need to take up your cross and follow me. And, and it sounds hard, it's challenging. And certainly sacrifice is part of the journey. But as I, what I like about this term venture that we're starting to, to use in the Alliance is that it's the root word of, what, of a larger word that's called adventure. And, and it's been helping me reframe, rethink about this idea of mission in terms of adventures with God. And our good Father inviting us to partner with Him in the amazing adventures of what He is doing around the world. But again, I, I didn't think about it in those terms when I first started. And, you know, to be honest, I, I never really wanted to be a, a missionary international worker. You know, I'd heard the stories of the, the crazy food you have to eat and, you know, these bugs and whatever else in places like Africa. And you know, I thought, well, I don't know if I want to do that. But I'll never forget the day God first called me to be involved in mission. Um, I was at my first year of Bible college about 20 years ago, just last month. And uh there was a speaker that was speaking at one of our worship gatherings named Daniel Zopula. And he was from uh, a small village in Africa in the nation of Burkina Faso. And I had met him a couple years earlier. He had spoken at our youth group and shared his testimony of how when he was just five years old, his mom had passed away and and then his stepmom had kicked him out of the house, basically to fend for himself in the jungle. And so he grew up just kind of on his own in the jungle. And one day as an eight-year-old boy, you know, I have an eight-year-old boy, and I think about that. And here he is as an eight-year-old boy wandering around in the jungle, and he's desperate, and he cries out. He says, God, where are you? Well, if you exist, you know, give me some kind of a sign. And he said, he heard an audible voice there in the jungle saying, Daniel, I love you. I'm going to send you to Canada someday to study to become a pastor. You think Of all the things for God to say to an eight-year-old boy in the jungle of Africa. But anyway, years went by, and then all of a sudden, God kind of spoke to him again. He said, Daniel, now is the time. Really soon, I'm going to send you to Canada to study, to become a pastor. And uh, so he started telling people in his village, hey, guess what? I'm going to Canada. And they're like, do you have any money? Oh, no, but God will provide. He told me I'm going, so he's got to provide. And uh, everyone thought he was crazy. They're laughing at him. They're like, you have, you remember him saying, you have eight francs, and you need a million just for the... The, the the airfare. Like, this is impossible. You're never going to be able to do it. But he was not deterred. Well, meanwhile, while he's busy telling everybody in his village this is going to happen, God is talking to one of his children in Western Canada, and he says, I want you to send money to Africa. For some student, I want to come to Canada to study, to become a pastor. Now, now if you're in Western Canada, and you're trying to connect with one person that God has you know, identified in Africa, that, that, that's a relatively large area. There's a lot of people living in Africa. How are you going to find that person? He says, well, I know one, one missionary from Africa. I'm going to give this money to him and tell him to send, use it to send somebody here. Well, this missionary, of course, where do you think he was from? Daniel's village. So he shows up with money. I have money for someone to come to Canada to study to become a pastor. And Daniel says, who do you think they chose? Perhaps the guy who'd been telling everybody for the last month that he was gone. Well, as a, as a young person, grade 11, that story deeply impacted my life. There are other details that I can still quote you pretty much verbatim what he shared that night because it impacted me so deeply. But I still didn't think that I was personally called to go. But he was speaking at this uh, Bible college uh, worship night. And partway through his message, he stops. And he says, there's a young man in here who's called to missions. And he's looking right at me, and I hear my heart, my, feel my heart begin to race 100 miles an hour. And I just knew God was tapping me on the, in the heart and saying, I'm calling you to go. Now, again, at that time, I wasn't thinking, oh, great. This is an exciting new adventure. I was thinking, oh, no. But okay, God, if you wanted me to do that, I will obey. And so at the end, he had an altar call, and I went to the friend. And I remember I stretched out my arms like a cross. I remember saying, Jesus, I'll take up my cross. I'll follow you anywhere you want me. Now, I can't tell you that it's all been easy over the last uh, 11 years. Uh, Seven international moves with children, between one, two, or three, is a lot of transition. There have definitely been some challenges along the way. I I can testify that the food overall has been awesome. My fears were completely unfounded there. With one possible exception, I had to eat pig brain gravy. That was terrible, and definitely sound, tasted as bad as it sounds. But that was only one time, and for the most part, I had amazing experience. So there definitely have been some challenges along the way. It's not been clear sailing. But one of the biggest things I've learned over these last 20 years, since that day when God called me into mission, is that missions is first and foremost an invitation to adventure with God. And you know what? What kid? doesn't love to go on an adventure with his mom or his dad. I mean, kids love adventure, don't they? Uh, So this gives me a chance just to to brag about my kids a little bit and talk a little bit about how they love adventures. These are my three boys. So you can imagine there's a lot of adventure in my house. Uh, Lucas is in the middle. He's 12 now. Uh, Micah is on the right. He's eight. And uh, the very mischievous look on my little guy there is Liam, who is six. Um, when we were in, uh, in Mexico City these last couple of years, one of our, our favorite adventures together was actually to go to the Six Flags amusement park with the roller coasters. About half an hour away from our house. And so we'd season passes. and could go as often as we wanted to this amusement park. Talk about sacrificing for Jesus, okay? Um, very tough life. But uh, kids just love that kind of adventure. So I thought I would share with you just a few quick stories from my kids about some of the adventures God has them on. Uh, first of all, uh, Lucas. Sorry. Okay. Sorry about this. There we go. Sorry about that. So, Lucas, this is Lucas in our, in our in the creek behind our house, catching a wild salmon with his bare hands. Now, talk about an adventure. Now, this Salmon had kind of got stuck in an area that it couldn't really get by, and Lucas actually got it from behind, and and he's bringing it to me. And he's like, "Dad, put down the camera. Help me catch this thing. This is a beast." And of course, I didn't wasn't quite so sure I wanted to touch the thing, and so I just kept filming until eventually the salmon got away. Very, you know, not not the most adventurous dad. Not near as adventurous as my son. Uh, but again, he, you know, he spent two hours hunting with his bare hands the sap. Just a picture of adventure. Just loves that kind of thing, and certainly, like I said, the going down a hundred foot, you know, what a hundred meter tall, tall roller coaster at 100 kilometers an hour. I mean, just loves that kind of thrill. Um, Next is Micah. This is uh, him at our school in uh, in Mexico. Just a little bit of an aside. Uh, This school called Bridgeway North American School was an initiative of our of the Alliance Church together with another organization called Teach Beyond to um, try to establish a, a presence amongst the urban professionals. People who wouldn't necessarily go to church, not really interested in that. They're very busy, they work very long hours, sometimes a two or three hour commute. Uh, those of you who live in Toronto understand the challenges of the long commute. Certainly in Mexico City, that's a very big part of their reality. And so it's hard to get people to come to church, but so we started this school as a way to, to help reach out to these families, because they have to bring their kids to school, and we can build a relationship in that way. So, so our kids were there, um, and my wife actually taught at that school, but Micah was, you know, very much in a in a Christian kind of context. It was an outreach, but it was, you know, Christian teachers and so on. So he comes back to uh, Bowmanville, where we're living, east of Toronto, and uh, you know, all of a sudden he's in a very non-Christian kind of context. Uh, you know, but of course he doesn't know any different, and so he's there, and he just one day he's just writing on his little piece of paper there. He just writes the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ. And his friend comes by, and he says, why did you write a swear word on your paper? And it just broke Micah's heart. He's like, huh? what do you mean a swear word? This is my friend. He's like, how could you ever think that? And yet, these kids had no context. The only time they've ever heard the name Jesus was in the context of a swear. So Micah came home, and he's like, Mom and Dad, can we pray for the kids in my class that they would come to know Jesus? And so he began praying for them. And uh, he's actually recruited some helpers on his adventure of helping these kids uh, come to know Christ, he found out that there are three other kids in his class who know Jesus. And so he's kind of mobilized them and got them talking about Jesus as well. He's got his little army that he's uh, he's developing. Um, you know, Michael, one, one of the things that I love about him as well, he, he's been reading through the Bible. So he got asked for a Bible for Christmas. He's been reading through the Old Testament, slugging through Leviticus and so on. And, uh, and reading a lot about the story of Moses. And, and also of actually memorizing, him and Liam have been memorizing some of the Psalms, Psalm 23, Psalm 91. Uh, their brother Lucas is in Bible quizzing, so he's memorizing verses that way. So you've got them memorizing the Psalms. And so as he's been meditating on the lives of David and Moses, this was his observation. He said, Dad, Moses and David were such good friends of God. What an observation. What a, and we both agreed. That's what we want to be the characteristic of our lives as well. We're known as friends of God. It's an adventure of, of coming to know God more and inviting people to know him with us. Um, next here, you'll see my little guy, Liam. He's on the, the right side, I guess, again with Micah. And this is Antonio in the middle. He's a homeless man that we connected with in Mexico City, slept in the, in the park, uh, right close to where our church was. And so he would come to our church and had come to Christ, but had no place to, to bathe or, you know, to sleep at night. And so we started once once a week. We would pick him up from the park and bring him to our house so he could have a shower and give him a bit of a meal. And our kids really uh, uh, took him under their wing. We had to pray for him. Liam would love to come up to him and give him big hugs like you see there. He would show him his little drawings of Transformers and different things and just made him feel part of the family. Uh, Liam just has this huge heart for people. Uh, One day he said to me a couple years ago, he was just four, and he said, Dad, God made one billion people in the world. And he made me so I can love them. What a mission statement! <laughs> There's a billion people in the world, and it's my job to love every single one. He's got a big heart, uh, but he's also a very mischievous little kid with love for adventure. And so this is him, or this is the uh, what he calls the wilderness behind our house. That's now a little bit wider than that, but uh, this is the, actually. Uh, incredible place where God has given us to live. Kind of behind our house, there's this little creek area behind. And uh, at night, you can sometimes hear the coyotes, you know, howling a little bit. So Liam is convinced that not just the coyotes, but the hyenas live behind our house. And uh, and so you know, it's a little bit of a risky place when there are hyenas living behind you. But that doesn't deter him. He 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 goes out and he wanders out kind of behind our fence and you know, picks some cra- some crab apples from the tree there and stuff. He says, you know, don't worry, Dad, the hyenas live at the back of the wilderness. And he just kind of comes in the front. But, uh, but again, there's this sense of, there's inherent risk involved. You know, it's, I mean, it's maybe a minor risk, but, but, but he feels the sense of risk. And you know, when I think about adventure, there's always a little bit of risk involved. When you're flying down a roller coaster or you're stepping out into the wilderness, uh, there's a certain measure of risk. And just like it is with missions. It's not always safe. It's not always easy. Sometimes there are hard things that happen. Uh, We're partnering in the alliance with what we call the Gateway Initiative. It's that country I can't mention publicly exactly what we're talking about, but a place in Asia, we're calling it the Gateway Initiative, and we're partnering with with national church planters that have a goal to plant 100,000 churches in 30 years to reach the 500,000 villages in their country. An Incredible goal. But they're out there, and they're... A lot of these people are being persecuted for their faith, they're suffering, they have major challenges, and yet they do it because they're on mission, and they, they believe that the risk is worth it. So sometimes there is risk, uh, but the question I want to ask you today is as you think about mission and you think about risk, do you trust the character of God? Do you trust the character of God? Do you believe that He is good and beautiful? And that if he's inviting you on this adventure, ultimately it's going to be worth it. Ultimately it's going to be good. When you go to the front of the church and you stretch out your arms like a cross and say, God, I'm willing to take up my cross and follow you. Do you trust that if God is a good father and he's inviting you to take this risk for him, that it will be worth it? Yeah, I think that's the way it is with our kids. One of the things that I, we love to do is with our kids is, is listen to the audio tapes of the Chronicles of Narnia. You now we do these road trips sometimes in the summer when we're visiting family, and just listen for hours to all the stories from the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a series written by C.S. Lewis, and uh, there's this one little scene from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where um, a little girl, Lucy, is about to meet Aslan, the great lion, who is a representative for Jesus. And, uh, you know, she, she's talking to her friend, the beaver, And, uh, you know, she wants to know a little bit about this guy. And she says, well, this Aslan, is he safe? And the beaver laughs, oh, no. Who said anything about being safe? He's not safe, but he's good. That, to me, is a picture of mission. It's not necessarily safe, but it is good. It is an adventure that our Father is bringing us on. And the question is, do we trust his character? Again, For me personally, that's very different than when I first started on mission. I wasn't thinking about so much the character of God. I wasn't thinking about this adventure with God. I was thinking more, hey, Jesus died for me. He came for me. I need to go and sacrifice to help others experience that as well. Certainly, that's part of the journey, a willingness to do that. But as I've come to know my Father a whole lot more intimately over the course of the journey, I've realized that that really at its core mission is about tru- trusting his character and going on adventures with him. Well, we've been working over the last uh number of months at our district office on what is our district vision statement? Like what what are we all about? How do we interact with our churches? What's our purpose for being here? Uh maybe you asked that too. What in the world does the district superintendent do? What is what does the, the district office do? And uh there's lots. Obviously, we could talk about there, but we've landed on this this vision statement that kind of summarizes our heart for what we long uh, to do. Get it to come up here. There we go. So we catalyze leaders and churches to experience the fullness of life in the kingdom of God, and to invite neighbors and nations to do the same. Uh, so the idea of a catalyst is that it speeds something up that's already happening. There's already a reaction going on, and then we just speed it up. And and That's our desire is to come alongside you in the good things God is already doing here. God is already deeply at work at First Alliance Church, and he doesn't need us to be doing that work. But as we see what God is doing, we want to come alongside you and support you in that. And we do so in, in in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's more administrative, but we ultimately do so always with a twofold purpose. One is that you as a church, as each one of you, would experience more of the fullness of life in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is among you. You see, it's not just some distant reality in the future. Already the kingdom of God is here. That's why Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Like we just read and prayed earlier. And right, what did Jesus do right after he said, the harvest is plentiful? He said, he sent out his disciples two by two to go out to heal the sick, to drive out demons and to proclaim freedom for the captives. That is who we are in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Followers of Jesus going out to bring in the harvest, declaring the kingdom of God is among you. And we long for you as a church to experience the full reality of that life in his kingdom. A lot of times we call this the deeper life. This deep experience of Christ in us, the hope of glory, transforming us from the inside out, radically shaping our lives we don't just want to help you experience that and have these wonderful church services where you experience the fullness of life with Christ. We actually want you to go out and invite both your neighbors here in Canada and the nations in the least reached places of the world where they have had little or no access at all to Jesus. We want you to go on mission to invite the world into that experience of the goodness of Christ. You see... when we we think of mission strictly as a duty, as something that we need to do for God because it's our responsibility, then then it can become something that we just do as a, well, I don't really want to do this, but I guess I, I have to. But when we have experienced just how amazing Jesus is, just how amazing it is to live life in the kingdom of God, man, we want to invite the whole world to join. When we realize, man, they just think Jesus is a swear word. They don't understand him. Man, we want to change their perspective and say, Jesus is amazing. Come and taste and see that he is good with us. And so as we think about mission, that kind of leads me to my second thing I want to talk about. Not only is, is mission an adventure, but it's also important that we realize that that mission is actually not the most important thing about us. What we do is not... The most important thing to God, but rather who we are becoming is what God cares about the most. You see, that doesn't mean that, that what we do doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that, that, that mission is somehow less important. There's, there's obviously lots we could talk about in terms of how to do mission as effectively as possible because it's very important. But I am convinced that the absolute best way to do missions is... In the most effective way possible, is to be a certain kind of person. It's not just how to, what's the right technique to go talk to my friends or to try to invite people to follow Christ. The key is actually being a kind of person who is filled with joy, who is filled with the presence of God. Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and that is attractive to people. And so that is my longing for you today, that you would experience just how good God is, that you would become a certain kind of person that would naturally attract the people around you to want what you have. So what is that kind of person? I want to use a, uh, yeah, the kind of person who is ex- deeply excited about the goodness of God. Are you excited about Jesus? Are you excited about your Heavenly Father, about the Holy Spirit's work in your life, the way He has transformed you from the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of His Son? Are you excited about that? That's what the world needs to see, that we actually really believe this and it radically changes our lives. But I want to talk a little bit about a phrase that we have been, um, that we've been uh, focusing on. One of our value statements in our office is that we value becoming joy-filled children and friends of God. And we believe that's the most important thing about us, that we are joy-filled children and friends of God. I just want to just very briefly unpack these these three ideas for you this morning. Uh, First of all, this idea of being joy-filled. One of my favorite verses is in 1 Peter 1, verse 8, where it says that in Christ we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Isn't Isn't that an incredible statement? Inexpressible and glorious joy. I mean, how can I describe something to you that is inexpressible? It is beyond our ability to communicate with words just how inexpressible and glorious is the joy of the Lord. What's fascinating to me about this passage is that right before this, in verses 6 and 7, Peter is talking about how they are suffering in all kinds of trials and hardships. He's not writing to a church that has got it all easy and everything is so great being a Christian. The whole book of 1 Peter, which my son Lucas is memorizing right now for quizzing, it's all about how it's good to suffer for doing good, not for doing evil. He's saying, you know, if you suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. So he's talking all throughout this book about hardship, suffering, difficulty. Not exactly the context that I expect him to talk about inexpressible and glorious joy. And yet, it's true. I've had the privilege over these last 10 years to work with my dear friends in Cuba. And uh, Cubans have a lot of hardships, a lot of challenges. The average Cuban makes less than one dollar every day, plus a few rations from the government. Extreme poverty, extreme challenges. And yet, Cubans are people of joy. Uh, They love to tell jokes, even about their own misfortune. So they say things like, you know, some people are born lucky, others are born here. You know, and then they laugh. Ha, ah, that's so funny. Isn't it so funny that it's so hard for us? You know, or they say, you know, while well, there's this time where uh, God sat down with his angels and he said, let's make a beautiful island and it will have beautiful pristine sand and glorious sunshine and there'll be no poisonous animals and it'll be just perfect climate. And the angel starts to complain. He says, well, God, I mean, nobody else has such a beautiful place to live. Why, why are these people going to have it so good? And then they say, oh, don't worry i got to give them this little company. Um, You know, and it's just like, and then they laugh again. They, they kind of do that hush-hush, right? But but like, like life is so hard for us and we have all these challenges and yet they laugh about it. You see, Cubans have the joy of the Lord. And in few places I've ever experienced so much joy in worship you know, than in Cuba. Just about three months ago, I was back on a trip in back in November and uh, went to my my good friend, Rafaelito in his church, and uh, he was... So excited that I was back, because I, I had left, and he said in front of the church, he said, my best friend Curtis has come back, I didn't know if I'd ever see him again. And here he is, he's back, and they're so full of joy, and the church was just hopping that night. They're just in this small little oven, you know, this small little tin roof, 100, 200 people packed into this small place, that's maybe not even the size of this quarter over here, a couple hundred people packed in there, roasting hot, and, and then... We're, we're worshiping, people are dancing. These three old ladies just come right up to the front and they're just, start dancing. And they, they, they started grabbing a couple of us from the short-term missions team, grabbed us to dance with them, kind of grabbed us by the hand, and they're dancing with us. And, and, and then the youth said, well, hey, we want to get in on the action. And so they formed a conga line and they started bouncing and jumped all the way around these old ladies. <laughs> the pastor said afterward, he said, today Malachi chapter four has been fulfilled. I'm turning the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the father." I'm uniting the generations in joyful worship. It's incredible. You see, humans can say the joy of the Lord is our strength. They leave that worship time to go back to their small little one-bedroom house that has dirt floors, not knowing where the next meal is coming from. But man, do they enjoy God like no one I've ever met? Let me ask you. Do you enjoy God? Would you say that you are characterize your life as someone who is filled with joy. I love the words of Jesus in in John chapter 15, verse 11. He's talking about how uh, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, if you stay connected to me, you're going to bear much fruit. And sometimes I think we kind of stop there and we say, well, that's that's the goal, right? I need to have a good relationship with Jesus so that I can bear much fruit. I can do good things for Jesus. But look what he says in verse 11. At the end of that, he comes in and he says, I have told you this, why? So that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be complete. Did you know that joy is the goal of your walk with Christ? That is what he most longs for you. The reason he wants you to have an intimate relationship with, you, with him is because he knows that is what will give you so much joy. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that Jesus endured the cross. Why? For the joy set before him. Not just, well, I feel pity for these poor people. I better save them. No, he wanted us, he wanted the joy of having you and I as his friends. For you and I to know him in an intimate way. Because he knew that would fill us with joy. And it would fill him with joy to be friends with us. Don't miss this. The most important thing about you is that you are filled with joy because of your relationship. That is the thing that will most attract people around you. You want to be effective in mission? You want to fill this church with new people? If you are people of joy, that will be contagious to draw people to Christ. So where does that joy come from? How how do we really get that kind of joy? I, I believe that it comes from being It comes from being children and friends of God and really understanding that reality. I love 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, where uh, God or where John says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. I mean, can you hear the joy in the way John articulates that? The Father has lavished on us this incredible privilege to be adopted as sons and daughters into his family. We are now part of God's family. This is an incredible truth. It is a joy-filled experience to be a child who is truly loved unconditionally. So if your experience with the Father, your experience with God is not joy-filled, then you, you know what? Something is broken in your soul.
1: God doesn't condemn
0: you for that. He's not angry, but He does come to you today and He says, I'm inviting you to experience my love like never before. I want you to experience the joy of a little child who's so deeply secure in his love, that can truly trust that God the Father is inviting you on incredible adventures. He's not just out to harm you. He's not just there with a a hammer waiting to see if you'll screw up and to punish you. He is there welcoming you as a loving father. Who, yes, of course, he has to discipline us sometimes. What, What son is not disciplined by his father? But it's always with the purpose of leading us into the fullness of life that is truly life. So we get joy from that relationship with the Father. We also get joy from being friends with Jesus. And, uh, you know, I love this, John chapter 15, verse 15. After talking about how he wants us to be connected to him so that we can have joy, he says this I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus as a servant or as a friend? Do you see you're, you're, you're coming to church, you're doing good works, you're giving some money to help. Do you see that as your act of service, your, your religious duty? Well, I mean, I better do this because this is you know, what God expects of me. Or do you, Everything you do come out of friendship with Christ. You know, when you think friendship, that doesn't mean that we don't serve Jesus, right? What friend doesn't isn't willing to serve when his friend is in need? You know, your car, your friend's car breaks down, and they call you up. Are you going to say, "No, sorry, I can't help you"? No, you're a friend. I mean, unless you can't, but you're going to do anything you can to help, right? And and you know, John fifteen thirteen, just two verses earlier. And talking about Jesus, he says, greater love has no one than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. Right? Jesus has proven his love and friendship for us by laying down his life for us. And now he's just asking us to do the same. I've loved you, now will you love me back? Not because you have to, but as a willing act of friendship. And that is God's invitation to us today. Absolutely we are called to serve Jesus. But we do so as friends out of love, not as servants out of duty. We do so because we want to, not because we have to. The cool thing about developing this kind of friendship with Jesus is, again, notice what happens. In that verse that we read earlier in John 15, 15, he says, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known. You know that now, as friends of God, we're actually welcomed into the inner circle, the Father and the Son, and we can actually hear what's on the Father's heart. We can actually listen to God in prayer. We don't just have to, to come to the great God of the universe and say, Oh, God, if you would help me in this need that I have, I would be so grateful. I will sacrifice. I will serve. I will do whatever it takes if you would just help me. So many religions of the world think that And I think so often as Christians, we kind of have that mentality as well. And yet, what does Jesus say? Everything I learned from my father, I have made no key. I think of it as the difference between the relationship of a father with his little son. You know, I don't tell everything about all of my business to my six-year-old. Right? There's just certain things that as parents, you, you, you keep from your children. But as they grow older, then they become more a friend. And you can talk on a more deep level about bigger issues. It's same with us. As we grow up into maturity, it's a deep friendship with God. Everything that the Father makes known to Jesus as His Son, He's willing to make known to us. He says, who has known the mind of Christ? says that we, God has revealed us these things to, to us through His Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that relationship with God is available to you. He wants you to be able to listen to Him, to hear His voice, and have an incredible friendship. Not just as knowing God as some distant, faraway being, that you somehow need to please, but a God who's so close to you and inviting you into this amazing, joy-filled relationship with him. So if there's one thing I long for you today, my prayer for you is that you would truly experience this fullness of life in the kingdom of God, walking with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and that as you experience more and more your soul delighting in the richest affair, that everything within you would yearn to invite the world to join you. That's why you would give. That's why you would pray. That's why you would talk to your neighbors. That's why you would invest in your children and train them in the ways of the Lord. It's why you would send international workers to other places. It's why you have churches like the Mohammed Church and the Mandarin Church and other groups that you are reaching out to, these missional communities among the nations that you're trying to plant right here. Why do you do all of that? It's because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You have experienced all of his goodness and you long for all those around you, and even those you've never met to experience that joy. Let me pray to you. Pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I just with great joy come before your presence today to pray on behalf of my my dear brothers and sisters here at First Alliance Church in I thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for their It's this incredible purpose for them. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a whole bit of future. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I have incredible plans for you, says the Lord. And I thank you that that is your heart for them. I thank you that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus, for the joy set before him, the joy set before you that you actually find joy in us being your children. Brothers and sisters of Christ brought into friendship with you through Him. Thank you that that gives you joy. I mean, there's no reason why that should give you so much joy, except that you just love us so much. Just like it gives us joy when our children love us, when our children follow the ways we taught them, It gives us so much joy, just as it does you, what we need to say. We thank you for that incredible heart that you have towards us. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters here today that they would experience that love. If there's something broken in their soul today, if their soul doesn't understand how much you love them, if their soul is just trying to be a good soldier, a good servant of Jesus, a good follower trying to avoid judgment or whatever else, oh God, would you stir their souls today? Would you flood their hearts with the knowledge of the love of God? You said the Hope does not disappoint us because you have poured out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom you've given us. Lord, that is my prayer today, that you would pour out your love into their hearts. And uh, as, as Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that you would strengthen them with power by your spirit in their inner being so that Christ would dwell in their hearts faith, so that Christ would be in them the hope of glory, that they would be able to grasp together with all the saints, all of these five million believers in Alliance churches around the world today, and the broader body of Christ from so many different churches, that they could grasp how wide and long and high and deep is that incredible, immeasurable love of Christ that we've sung about today. That they would know that love that surpasses knowledge, and that they would be filled through Christ, through his love poured into their hearts, to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then Paul says, now to him who is able to Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Lord, it is beyond our comprehension that you would actually fill each person here with that supernatural love. That love that would wipe away all the pain in their soul and would flood them with joy like they've never known. That is only to the God who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Only you could do that. So that is our prayer today. That audacious prayer that you would pour your love into their hearts. And oh God, that as they experience this, spring of living water flowing up from within them. Oh God, would you anoint this church to invite so many neighbors and nations to experience that with them. That the churches that they planted even right here in their own congregation would thrive and flourish. That these missional communities would have incredible impact of reaching so many people for Christ. And as they continue to partner around the world as well, so many people who who yet do not have access to Jesus would come to know you because this group of people was full of the love of Christ, and they served, and they gave, and they prayed, birthed out of that love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We bless you today and celebrate your goodness. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at FirstAllianceChurch.org.